0: That's his video back from uh, all the way back in 2009 at our land dedication service. Bet you can't guess where. <laughs> right here, right here on the ground that you're you're sitting on right now, that this building is sitting on. That was the very service where, uh, boy, it was so much fun, wasn't it? I think it was raining that day, wasn't it? But we still had a ball. We were underneath the tent, and you can tell Todd Brayman likes his boy toys. Amen? I mean, he came across there, and the, do they call us bobcats? I mean, it's kind of a smaller dozer. He came across there in that thing and, and turned it around, and we had put some, uh, put some uh, giants up on trees that we said, you know, here's some of the things that we're going to face, some of the giants that are going to scare us from uh, pressing forward and doing God's work. And we knocked down those giants by faith. Uh, We talked about fear, we talked about failure, we talked about what uh, finances, fatigue. Those were some of the things that were going to keep us from being able to move forward and to do all that God uh, wanted us to. Praise the Lord we overcame those things. Amen? Amen. Amen. I tell you, the best part of that day for me was the kids. You could hear them in the background. The kids just had a ball seeing that bulldozer. We had saved like four little scrawny trees to be our giants and uh, mounted those giants up there and knocked those down. What a great day that was. But you know, when we think about a bulldozer tonight, uh, as, you, as you see that video tonight of that very special day, or maybe as you're walking in tonight, you notice there's a bulldozer parked out there right in the front of where you come in. When you see a bulldozer like that, whether it's in that video or that one when you, that you saw coming in, we recognize that that's a, that's a piece of equipment that does what? What's a bulldozer do? It pushes things down, right? It gets things out of the way. It, it prepares. It clears land to get it ready to do something. There might be trees or it might be some changes in elevation or there might be some rocks or there might be some garbage and trash and things like that that's been buried on the land. But one of those machines is used to clear out that land so it can be used for its purpose. Well, that reminds me of a few passages in God's Word. In fact, there's at least five passages in God's Word that uh, talk about these very uh, verses. But I'm going to read to you out of Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 through 5. And as I read, you can look up on the uh, screen. And I want you to read that underlined portion as I go through these verses. It says, in Isaiah 40, verse 3, it says, A voice is calling. Clear the way for the Lord. Amen? amen. I you ought to say, yes, yes. Are you listening to what we're reading? Clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be lifted up. Let every mountain and hill be made low. Do you see what's happening? All the valleys are being brought up to level. All the hills and the valleys are being brought down to that level ground so they can just be level ground. Let the rough ground become a plain and the rugged terrain, a broad valley. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all flesh will see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The picture that was given here, again, in Isaiah 40, and, and it's mentioned several times in the New Testament, is of an ancient king who is getting ready to go on a trip. And before he goes, before, before that entourage, before that caravan leaves, he sends out people. I mean, it's not like these days where you've got you know, highways that are built. He sends out people on those pathways. And he says, listen, make sure the way is clear. The king is about his business, and I want to make sure there are no impediments. There are no obstacles, there are no barriers to me making my trip. First, I want to tell you, when you see a bulldozer clearing land, you should see the image in your mind of the Lord clearing out a pathway for His work in your life. Amen? When you see a bulldozer clearing land, you should just get this image of, you know what? My life, God wants to take His Word, He wants to take His work, His Spirit in my life and clear a pathway for Him to be able to do all his work you know that 's really what we 're talking about in the series that we 're doing together where the, the series title is fuel and really what we 're talking about is realizing that God wants to work in our lives isn 't that good news? God is at work in this world you don 't have to wonder does God care you don 't have to wonder does God see you don 't have to wonder, is God at work? We know that God clearly in his word and we see around evidence that God is at work in this world, but what he's talking about is we want to make sure that we get anything out of the way of that happening. And really what we've been sort of kind of thinking, the direction we've been coming from is we want to encourage that work, amen? We want to do everything we can to fuel that work in our lives and in our church family. And today we're going to talk about two of the very most important things that God uses to fuel His work in our lives. Tonight, we're going to talk about prayer and fasting. Now, as soon as I say those words, I want to stop for just a moment. As soon as I say those words, I know that maybe for some of us, we're tempted to kind of just say, "Um, that doesn't interest me as much. I came to church tonight, and I I wanted to learn some things about life, and I had some topics in mind, but but, but you know what? Prayer and fasting, okay, I'll learn about that if I have to. Now, you might say, Pastor Robin, that's not very nice to say. Well, I'm just saying what some of you are saying in your mind, right? Okay. It's not necessarily sometimes what we hear at church is not necessarily what we were looking for or what's appealing to us, but let me just ask you a question. Do you want God's will and purpose for your life, or do you want your will and purpose? For your life. I think we've lived enough of me to find out. I've had enough of me, amen. And so tonight we need to understand that God says there are some things that we need to understand about these topics of prayer and fasting and and that we never knew, that we never even expected for God to use in our lives, but that will dramatically encourage his work in our lives. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about prayer and fasting. How will God use these things? To do His work in a greater way in our lives. Well, before we do, I want to say this to you. We need to kind of lay some groundwork. We're going to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about fasting. But I want you to understand this first. Before we can talk about those topics, I believe we need to understand that we have a great need in our lives for brokenness. Did you hear that? There's a great need in our lives for brokenness. Now, that bulldozer that we see doing its work reminds us to make a pathway, to make a clear uh, highway for God to come and work. Prayer and fasting are related to brokenness. Now, listen, there is something about brokenness that draws God to us. Did you hear that? Prayer and fasting are related to brokenness. And there's something about brokenness that catches God's attention and draws Him to us, that opens the door, that prepares the way for Him to come and work. And I think about it in two different ways. You know, really, we're broken for a couple of different reasons. We're broken many times because of some things. We're broken because of pain in our lives, right? We're we're hurting tonight. There are people in this room who are hurting very badly. There are pains, there are hurts, there, there are injuries that we face, whether physically, emotionally, whatever it is in our lives, we are broken because of those things. We're wounded by life. And the Bible says that God is a friend of people who need help. Isn't that good news? If you're here tonight and you are broken, the Bible says very clearly you should not question at all that God wants to be a friend to people like you and like me passage after passage in the Bible describe this. Uh, Psalm 34, verse 18 is just one of those. The Bible says, listen to this. Get the picture. As you read God's Word, see the picture of what it's describing. The Bible says that God is near. He comes close to the brokenhearted. Isn't that neat to think about? God comes alongside those who are crippled. God comes alongside those of us who are hurt in our lives. And that verse also says He saves or He rescues He defends those who are crushed. And that word crushed has an idea of almost crushed to to pieces or crushed into dust. Anybody feel like that tonight? Anybody feel like, I don't think I've got one other piece to beat out of me. Amen, anybody? I guess all you guys are doing a lot better than I am. Amen. (laughs) But the Bible says that God is near to people like that. Even though it's not pleasant to go through hard times. And even though that's not originally what God's intention and plan was for us, the Bible does say that God uses brokenness because of, uh, by life, in our lives, to drive us to God and make us more open to Him. Some of us are broken for a different reason. Some of us are broken by life, by things that have happened to us, but some of us are broken because of some decisions we've made, right? We're broken tonight because... We made a choice. We made a choice to turn away from God. We're guilty. We've done something that was not His purpose for our life. We're sinners, and we come to Him broken. Anybody ever done that? And say, God, I I know I do not deserve this. You ever talk to God like this? God, I know I do not deserve this tonight, but I come to you broken. I come to you saying, God, I need you. Just like that song we just said, isn't that a great song? I need you. Oh, how I need you, God. My one source of strength. God, I'm sorry for that. And I either want to come uh, back to you, into a relationship with you, and have that relationship with you, or I want to come back into a right relationship with you. James chapter 4, verse 6. The Bible says that God is opposed to the proud. Okay, When we've got an attitude of, I don't need God or anybody else, guess what? He's not going to be close to that person. God's opposed to the proud, but he gives grace. Isn't grace a big word? Grace is like your favorite dessert for your birthday with all the whipped cream you want on top of it. And here, let's just put a little bit more, amen? I mean, grace is God showing off. Grace is God doing way more than we could ever have even dreamed that someone would do for us. The Bible says that God gives that to the humble, to those who have an attitude of, I know I don't deserve it, I know I shouldn't ask you for this, but God, I'm coming to you and asking in brokenness. The Bible says that God is looking for people who have either been broken by life or people who are either broken over some decisions that they've made in their life. Our focus today is on prayer and fasting, but I want us to realize that really what those two things are about are brokenness. They're about humility. Do you hear me? When we talk about prayer in just a minute, when we talk about fasting in just a minute, we're really talking about an attitude. We're not talking about just a topic of prayer, religious activity. We're talking about a heart of brokenness, of humility, of repentance, of dependence. Are you getting a picture? And one person described it as hunger. Isn't that another good word? Listen to what this person said. They said, as far as I can tell, there is only one thing that stops God from moving in our lives. He is not going to pour out his spirit where he doesn't find hunger. God looks for the hungry. That is such good news for me tonight. Because I can be hungry. Amen? I can be hungry. I can't be a lot of things, but I can be hungry. Amen? This person says, hunger means you are dissatisfied with the way it's been. Because it forced you to live without Him in His fullness. He only truly comes in that fullness in your life when you're ready to turn it all over to Him. You have to be hungry. However you want to put it. Brokenness, dependence, humility, repentance, however you want to put it. Uh, Hunger tonight. The Bible says that there's something about that that encourages God working in our lives. Now that we've laid that foundation, let's talk about our two areas of focus. First of all, prayer as a fuel for God's work in our lives. Prayer, how critical is prayer to God coming in and being able to move in this church family? Listen to what John Wesley, I believe this was John Wesley, I don't want to misquote, but I think it was John Wesley who said this. He said, it is doubtful whether God does anything but through prayer. remember reading that like a few years ago and be like I'm not sure if that's right but if it is wow amen I'm still not sure I'm still trying to think through that and I want to be a little bit careful about it because it might be slightly overstating things a little bit in other words we need to understand this God doesn't need anything from us to work right so he doesn't need our prayers to work but it does strongly emphasize the huge role that God has chosen Okay, God has designed it in such a way that somehow our prayers matter. Isn't that good news? Our prayers make a difference in His work. Every way you look at it, prayer is absolutely critical. Let me read you some verses. Philippians uh, chapter four, verses six through seven. The Bible says, "In everything, pray." I'm just going to summarize these verses. Romans twelve, verse twelve says, "Be devoted to prayer." 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says never stop praying. Never break that communication with God. Romans chapter 1, verses 9 and 10 says that we should be unceasing in praying for other people. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, in a passage where an older pastor, elder type, Paul is speaking to a younger pastor who's uh, helping to guide a church. He says, this is how you ought to act in God's family. He says, first of all, you ought to be praying. Wow. Wow. So if we were starting a church, which that's what happened at New Hope here about 13 years ago, then prayer ought to be like a centerpiece. It would be like, okay, we're not sure what to do, so let's start there. Look at the life of Jesus. I mean, it's just, like, it's just like, okay, I'm starting to get the point when you begin to read this. Mark chapter 1, verse 35 says, Jesus prayed in the morning. Then the Bible says that Jesus prayed during the day, Luke chapter 5, verse 16. It says He prayed during the night, in the middle of the night, Luke chapter 6, verse 12. He prayed on the cross. Three of the seven famous last sayings of Jesus on the cross are prayers. He prayed after His resurrection as they were having a meal together. He prayed. He's still praying right now for you if you trust in Him. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Sounds like prayer is pretty important, doesn't it? Someone else pointed out, look at the life of, of his followers. I never thought about this, but I don't know that they ever asked him, Lord, teach us how to preach. Lord, teach us how to share our faith. Lord, teach us how to do church and be your family. But you know something I do know they said? Lord, teach us to pray. Huh. I don't know about you, but it just began, you know, you start looking at all that kind of stuff and you start saying, Man, is there something there? Yes, we come to church. Yes, we're talking about the Lord. Yes, we know prayer is important. But I don't know about you, but some of this just begins to say to me, wow, something here I need to kind of massage, amen? Something here I need to kind of let sink in a little bit more. And then as soon as Christ had ascended, you know what they did? They spent the next ten days, guess what they did? Praying until Acts chapter 1, verse 14, He sent His Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. If you look at any great movement of God in history, the one thing, if there's one thing, the one thing that you can say is characteristic of all those great, wow, we saw God do something over there. At any period of history, at any geographical location around the world, guess what is going to be absolutely, you can guarantee, right in the middle of it. Prayer. You look at, when you start looking at great servants of God, we know that before God we're all equal and that we're children of God. But as we look at people that, the you know, uh, the Bible talks about, that there's people that we can look at their faith and we can be challenged to be more like Jesus. As you look back in history at the witness of some great servants of God who are very faithful to Him, you know, some of them were better speakers and some of them were better this or better that. But you know what? You see in every single one of them, consistently, They were people who sought God in prayer. Wow. This week, the Lord showed me two two scriptures that just knocked me off my feet. I I don't know know if I've ever thought about these scriptures. Uh, Daniel chapter 9, verse 12. This angel comes to Daniel, and it says, Then he, the angel, said to me, Do not be afraid, Daniel, for... From the first day that you set your heart on understanding this, and and you have to look at the whole context to see what he's talking about. But from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God. Isn't that good news? God hears your prayers. From the very first that you started praying about this, your words were heard. Now listen to this. Angels are sometimes deployed by little people like me talking to God about His work. He says, your words were heard and I have come in response to those words. I mean, I almost feel like just saying, that's enough. That's the service. Let's just go home and think about that a little bit. Amen. That changes my view of talking with God, many of us have a very conversational view of God, and that's great. But there's something about this of of engaging with God, Amen, and in, in His work and being a part of of encouraging His work in this world. Revelation chapter eight, verses one through four. I don't think I've ever noticed this. I mean, I've read this passage, but just this uh, this importance of prayer here. Now, this is a passage. The Book of Revelation is is, is a passage or is a Uh, a book that talks about God wrapping up his work in this world. I encourage you to read it. The Bible says we should read the book of Revelation to get a blessing. Okay? Well, as he's describing God wrapping up, and he's given a lot of the details of that, it says in uh, Revelation chapter 8, verse 1, when the Lamb broke the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about... Which to me is kind of weird. I mean, just think about it. All this stuff is going on in the book of Revelation. All of a sudden, time out, 30 minutes. I mean, it's just kind of strange, isn't it? What would they do for 30 minutes? Well, you're about to find out. It says, And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel came and stood at the altar holding a golden censer, and much incense was given to him so that he might add to it on the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hand. This is absolutely amazing to me. In the middle of God wrapping up his work in this world, there is a time out. And there is a recognition of the prayers of God's people. And you almost see God just in, inhaling that incense, that, that aroma, and just smelling that sweet smell, it's just picturesque language to really just to describe really what is God trying to say. Our prayers are what? Precious to Him. Precious worship. So much so that in the middle of this, I mean, just read Revelation. There's a lot of stuff going on here, amen, to say the least. In the middle of that, they call time out and put a little bit of a focus on the prayers of all of God's people. That, to me, heaven stands still for 30 minutes in the middle of it. One person said, in God's house there's a furnace, and our prayers are the fuel for that furnace for God's house. Ever watch any of those survivor shows? You know, something like five or six people go out in the middle of nowhere, you know, Alaska or some kind of wilderness or something, and and they're, they're supposed to travel to a certain destination. They're camping out, and it's cold, and... You know, and, and you see those shows and they're like, okay, uh, they're constantly freezing, right? They're just like always on the edge of dying, you know. And so they say, okay, here's what we got to do. We're, we're going to freeze to death if someone doesn't stay up and do what? Keep the fire going. And actually, sometimes you see on some of those shows, what will happen? Somebody goes to sleep and lets the fire go out and almost kill the rest of us, right? I wonder... If God's work, if we saw prayer like that, I wonder if prayer is like that in God's work, it's keeping the fire stoked. If prayer is the furnace of God's work, are my prayers helping to keep it warm and glowing? As I think about that, I can't help but think about, well, Robbie, when it's your turn to stay up, am I pulling my weight? I'm not. How about you? I'm not. I don't know if I saw it that critical. Did you? I don't know if I saw it that critical. But when I began to think about this, I said, you know what? This is something that prepares God's work to be able to be fueled and to, 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 to work in a way that, um, that, that, that it couldn't any other way. It only happens through prayer. Are you doing your part? Am I doing my part? Or is someone else having to take up my slack? Is the body of Christ suffering in some way? Is something about God's work not happening or not being seen because I'm not stoking that fire? Isn't that a valid question? Now, again, I don't want this to seem like, you know, we've got to do all this work. I mean, because it's like, oh, great. I don't stay up for like three hours tonight and pray. You know, it's just tomorrow's service is going to be terrible. You know, it's just all my fault. Amen. That's the way we start thinking about things. No, remember, it is God who's at work. Ultimately, he doesn't need us. Somehow, he's chosen in his plan for prayer to make a difference. If that's the case, does that stir something in you? In your worship God, there's a little place there. It's just between you and God. There's a little place there under this point that we're talking about. For you to mark there, God's speaking to me. Tonight, if you would say, you know what, God is speaking to me. I'm not even sure why. God's speaking to me about my prayer life. Why don't you just just check that. Just as a way of you marking, and you'll remember after this service is over, yeah, God spoke to me, and I I need to do something with that. Or maybe if you know, maybe if you know tonight, no, God's been speaking to me, I need to do this, or I need to to add this, or I need to incorporate this, or I need to get more serious about this, whatever that might be, whether it's personally, your own personal time with God, or maybe it's with our church family, maybe you haven't engaged. We said that one of our big, hairy, audacious goals is that we want to be a powerhouse for prayer. It's kind of cool that God says in His Word that really, He says, my house should be known as a house of prayer. It's a place where people meet with God, communicate with God regularly. And we're serious about that. And you're going to hear more about that. You're going to hear more opportunities about how to engage with that. And maybe God's just saying to you tonight, you know what? I need to be primed for that. It's time for me to take the next step. God brought me here for a reason. And I want to be a part of it. Amen? All right, so that's prayer. Lastly, though, let's talk about fasting. Fasting as fuel for God's Word. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I have not fasted very much in my life, okay? So the tough thing is the pastor is talking about things that you're either struggling with, working on, or haven't ever done in your life, amen? So I'm not trying to be a hypocrite. I'm just trying to be honest, okay? This is not an ear of my life that I've super developed. But God is speaking to me, stirring in me something about fasting. Let me tell you why. Number one... Because the circumstances of my life are too big for me to handle on my own. Uh, What's that desperation thing again? Amen? The biggest thing is because my life's too much for me. Anybody else? Second thing is because the ministry he's called me to, I cannot carry out casually. I cannot take that lightly. It's kind of a big deal. All of our ministries, right? Serving the Lord, isn't that kind of a big deal? And the third reason is, like prayer, many people, I'm telling you, you read biographies, you read about great men and women of God, you're going to find yourself, here's what you're going to say, if you read those, you're going to find yourself saying, I wonder why we don't talk about fasting. Because great men and women of God throughout the years, from Bible times on until now, have been serious about this. So I look at that and I say, Is that something I should consider? Maybe you've heard about fasting. Maybe you've wondered about fasting. Or maybe you've not. You say, that totally freaks me out. That's weird. Okay? Somebody said this. They said, for some Christians, fasting is in the category of shaving their head or walking on hot coals. You know, it's just not even remotely something I'm thinking about. Amen? I mean, I'm thinking about... I, I'm interested in God, and I, and I want to give my life to Him, and I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, family and finances and watching my mouth and things like that, but fasting, I'm mean, asking John the Baptist, and he's all weird and out in, in the desert somewhere and preaching to himself and to the rocks and anybody that listens to that, that's just not me. It's not me either. But let's talk about it, because God's Word talks about it. By the way, did you know, as far as I can tell, fasting is mentioned at least as many times as baptism in the Bible? I think baptism is pretty important. Isn't it? Did you know, even as a nation, see, what I I hope I can do tonight is give us a little bit of context. Because as a nation, we don't talk about this. As Christians, we don't talk about this. But previously, we did. Did you know that Congress, and at least three presidents that I know of, called national fast at periods in our nation's history? It sounds like there was a time when this was something we knew more about. Now, what is biblical fasting? Well, the simplest, most common definition is voluntarily abstaining from food for some period of time for some spiritual purpose. Okay, just very, very simple. That's what fasting is. Now, many Christians, and I think it's Properly to apply it in this way. There's a broader sort of principle. Many Christians have said, you know, even beyond food, it can be voluntarily denying something that's normally okay for the sake of some spiritual purpose. Okay? So it doesn't have to be food. It could be, (laughs) I need some time away from the iPhone. Amen? It can be my laptop, my email, my messenger... My cell phone they're driving me nuts. I can't even have half a thought, half a prayer about God because I'm getting zzz, zzz, or some crazy signal. Amen. Turn the t v off sometimes there's There's lots of different ways that this can be applied and I, and I think that's that's valid, especially if it's for a purpose to focus on God in some special way. But to be honest with you, if you just look at the Bible, it seems to be doing without food for some portion of time for a spiritual focus. Now, before we move on, I need to tell you what it's not. Biblical fasting is not what uh, you may hear of. It. It's called asceticism. Asceticism is kind of this idea that everything material is bad, and so we sort of have to deny or even hurt our body. Okay? Fasting is not God saying uh, everything about you is bad and you've got to make it hurt. Okay? It's not punishment. God doesn't do that kind of thing. It's not legalism. Fasting is not legalism is whatever you want to name it, is all all kinds of rules that we make up in order to say that we've been accepted by God. You know what? The only thing that will cause acceptance by God is giving my life to Jesus Christ. It's surrendering and trusting in Jesus. Thank the Lord for that. Amen? Because I can do that. Amen? With His help. Okay, so it's not legalism. It's not super spiritualism. There are some people that want to fast so that they can kind of subtly think that they're a little bit much above the rest of us. Okay? that's not what it is. In fact, just forget it if you're doing it for that reason. Read the Old Testament. The Lord said, "I don't have a need for all that, junk. That's my paraphrase, but He just said, "Just don't even do all the religious activity if it's not from your heart." So, what is the purpose of fasting? I found a I found a great summary of that in, in one of my books on uh, church discipline. I want to give I want to give you those. Those principles. What's the purpose of fasting? First of all, to strengthen prayer. Many times you see fasting coupled with prayer at important times in someone's life. Okay? So that's why we're talking tonight prayer and fasting, because you wouldn't fast without prayer being critical to that. Secondly, when you're seeking God's direction, listen, aren't there critical moments in our life? I'm about to decide what my major is in college. Kind of important. Going to cost a little money if I get it wrong. Right? I'm praying about getting married to this person. Kind of important. I mean, it can even be, you know, a job change or we're thinking about moving to another city, you know, or whatever it might be. A family decision. Grandparents are struggling with health and what kind of health care decisions to make. All those kind of things. When you're seeking God's direction, fasting the Bible seems to indicate it is a great idea. Thirdly, during a time of extreme circumstances. You see this all throughout the Bible. In a time of great need. In a time of great trial. When someone's going through a time of grief or loss. Or when they're admitting that they, they've realized that there's sin in their life. That they, did, they didn't realize that they were turning so, so strongly against God. And it's almost a sense of just saying... Oh God, I recognize now. Now remember, this is not to earn God's favor. God, I'm going to do without food, so please now will you forgive me? That's not it, right? It's God, I just want you to know, I'm expressing to you, I know how serious this is. Because I don't fast every day, I guarantee you, Robbie doesn't. So if God saw me fasting, he would say, hmm, that must be important to him. Fourthly, in support of God's work. Maybe you really have a heart for someone who's serving God and you just feel this burden for them. You think about a missionary that's living away from their family or that's making a sacrifice or, or we've heard about the pastor over in, um, um, it's Iran, right? Uh, the pastor there, wouldn't it be great I mean, if God put on your heart, that's an extreme circumstance. He's been without his family. The government's not uh, providing support, it doesn't seem like, to help him get out of this. God, we're just desperate, amen? We need your help for this man to be delivered and brought back to his family. The next one is to remind your body who's boss. Now, careful about this one. Remember, we said it's not to hurt your body. Sometimes it's not bad for Robbie to realize that the things of this world is not what I need mostly, but I need the things of the Lord. For instance, I told you all, when I get up in the morning, I'm like, yeah, clear the way of the Lord, clear the way of Robbie, because i got to have some fruit loops or some cornflakes or something. I just wake up. I mean, I'm like, I'm ready to eat. I guarantee you, if I pause and say, wait, just a minute, before I eat, I'm going to talk to the Lord. I guarantee the Lord would be like, Wow, you must really love me. <laughs> right? Because I am consciously nothing wrong with me eating some cornflakes, the Fruit Loop's probably not good. I'm not eating Fruit Loops anymore right now, okay? But nothing wrong with eating those things. But you know what? I just I just want to say, God, that I, you're my focus. Not anything else. There's something about that. And then that leads us to the last one, to show love and worship to God. Just between you and Him. I just, you know what? Maybe the family goes to Martha's or Robin Debs or Sprinkles or wherever you go and, and get some ice cream. And, you know, you don't make a big deal about it. You know, just, hey, you know, I'm just, I don't, I'm not going to get one tonight. But in your heart, you're saying, you know what, Jesus, I want that strawberry. <laughs> but I love you more. I do, Lord. I love you more than I love strawberry or chocolate or whatever your thing is. Couldn't that be something? Just a way for you to show the Lord, not because you have to, but because you want to, just out of love for Him. By the way, write uh, write down Isaiah chapter 58, mark that in your Bible. Isaiah 58 uh, tells us that really fasting, really what God's looking for is not giving up food, He's looking for a heart that's turned towards Him. So however you come away with this, it's really just us saying, God, I love you. And I want to live my life in a way that demonstrates that. But apparently, you've given us this simple thing that I can just set aside some food for a little bit and that's a way for me to indicate some love for you or or some seriousness about something in my life. And so, God's given us that picture. Very simple. Anybody can do it. Within reason. Let's don't forget about what we're going for here. The Bible says in John chapter 5, verse 17, that my Father has been working until now. And Jesus said, I myself am also working. And He's still working. The question is not, would God move in my lifetime? The question is, would I be ready to join Him? Amen? Tonight, I believe that's when we're talking about prayer and fasting. Is God calling you to a larger experience of prayer? Like I said, some of us, it's part of your daily walk. You've learned to talk to God. Many of you have taken that next step. You said, you know what? I, don't, I not only talk to God throughout the day, but I actually have carved out some time at the end of the day or the beginning of the day that I'm actually spending that quiet time, personal devotions with God. All that's great. But, but it's not some check, you know, I did this, I did this, I did this. It's just saying, do you have a heart for talking with God? You have a, a heart for communicating with Him, and how can you grow in that? Whether personally or together with us, I want to tell you what there is just infinite an infinite number of ways that we can engage God with one another through the ministry of prayer. I want to ask you: Is anybody here fired up about prayer? fired up about the prospect of what a church if we just see because because what we can do not we can leave we can say good challenge i'm going to think about that or we can say no god let's go get some coal let's go get some lighter fluid let's get the fire going in the furnace we're going to turn up the heat at new hope amen we're going to do that are we going to do that We'll see, right? We'll see. I hope so. You pray for me in that as well. We're going to give you opportunities for that. You're going to hear about maybe God's putting something on your heart that you're going to share as a ministry we've never even thought of before. I've shared many ideas with you, whatever, a passion that God might give you. We've talked about many of those. We're going to give you an opportunity in a few weeks. We're going to have a week of prayer and fasting. We're going to encourage you to seek God. We're going to come out together on Tuesday night, February 25th, and seek God together. We're going to encourage you the week of February 24th through the 28th, Monday through Friday. Just pick one meal during that time. As long as medically you're able to do that, pick one meal or pick somehow, some application of what we've talked about to say, God, I'm setting aside something so that I can... Now, listen, don't just uh, set aside a meal and then go mow your grass. Well, nobody's doing that right now, okay? (laughs) But set aside a meal and then go spend with God and see what he might want to say and do. What about fasting tonight? Would you be willing to say, yes, God, this is something that I've never really thought about. But I think I need to. I think I need to. I don't want to just go through the motions as a Christian, do you? I don't want to have the least experience of Christ. I want to have the most. Amen? And so if people who've been powerfully used by God and experienced Him in their lifetime say this has been a help to that, something's in me wanting to think about that a little bit more. Amen? Would you bow your head with me? Let's go back to brokenness tonight you say some words to God, if you do without some food, but your heart is not poured out before God, it's really not what God's looking for. Is God trying to get your attention tonight? Is God trying to say to you, I have more for you? I want to speak to you. Sometimes I feel like, you know, there's messages from God all around me. I just don't have the antenna up to receive. So maybe tonight, that's what God's doing. is He's, he's placing a new ability to receive. He's opening a, a broader experience of what He's transmitting every day. Fifty, and one day we'll be in eternity and we'll look back. Is anybody hungry like me? I want to say I saw God do His work. Amen? I saw God do what He could do in fullness through me and others. Are you a halfway-hearted Christian tonight? It's really the Bible doesn't know much about that that kind of a state because The Bible says Christ holds all of us. And you know he's calling you to that tonight. And it's just time to take that next step. Is there someone in this room that would say, Pastor Robbie, I don't even have a relationship with God. The Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It starts with a prayer. It starts with you calling out to God and saying, Jesus, I'm so sorry for what I've done. I come to you, as we heard tonight, in brokenness, needing you to forgive me. I don't know how to walk with you. I don't know how to do these things. I don't even know what the Bible teaches about this or that. But God, I know I need you. I know I need to give my life to you. I accept you tonight. I surrender. Teach me how to pray. Teach me how to follow you. I thank you for how you're stirring in my heart. I sense that in so many others. I pray that we'll show it, Lord. Not just say it, but I pray that we'll show it. As we watch our lives unfold before you in the coming months.